1 Corinthians chapter number 16. We'll just read two verses this evening. We continue our study out of 1 Corinthians or through 1 Corinthians. We come to the last chapter. We're getting down to the last few verses. We've now been 58 weeks. This will be 59 weeks. We've been in 1 Corinthians working our way through on Wednesdays and what's been a wonderful, wonderful study. As we come to the last chapter, we find in the verses that we'll look at tonight, uh, a bit of a rally cry, if you want to call it that, uh, verses 13 and 14. Paul says to the church at Corinth, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. Those two verses we just want to hone in a little bit tonight and consider the things that are out of these verses. I think that as we look at these two verses, we see an exhortation to the work, a push, if you will, to, to move out and, and to complete the work that's begun. Paul has spent chapter after chapter dealing with issue after issue uh, within this church at Corinth. And now we come to the end of it. And he's instructed them. And, and just time and time again. We've seen many of those things. And just a multitude of things. And he comes at the end of it. And, and now he says. I believe in these two verses. Now press on. And then he gives us some ways. In which pressing on. What looks like. And ways it can be accomplished. An exhortation. I believe. In verses 13 and 14. It's an exhortation. To live a solid Christian life in a sin-sick society. The exhortation to live a solid Christian life. You know, I hope that we have that desire within our own hearts. To live a solid Christian life. I'm not talking about just to be called a Christian. A lot of people take that as a title. But then there's a difference between a title... And then a Christian who lives like a Christian. A Christian who exemplifies the Bible in their day in and day out living. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 13, you're the salt of the earth. That's what it is to be a solid Christian in today's world. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? Um, the world will come to know Christ through Christians who live for Christ. I really believe that. We'll win the world one person at a time as each individual, each child of God reaches one. The world to come to know Christ, they will come to know Christ as Christians live like Christians should live. Christians who have and bear the image of Jesus Christ Upon their lives. And when that's played out on a regular day, daily basis. That begins to make a difference. I believe that makes a difference in our families. The opposite of that is to call ourselves a Christian and not live like a Christian. We do more harm to the work of God from that side of things than ever before. It'd be a shame to call ourselves a Christian and live like the world. Uh, much of the world does that, but what the world needs to see is a Christian who lives Bible. Let's the Bible live in their lives. And so they get up and get into the Word of God, let the Word of God get into them, and it lives through them to reach 
a lost and dying world. Being a Christian, I believe, and biblically, is not only the exchange of hell for heaven. There are many other things that come along with it. But I fear that many see that's the only thing. Our goal here is to get them saved. Amen? I would grow along with that. But not just to get them saved. But see them saved, baptized, discipled, and going on for God and then reproducing. You see, that's the Christian life. It's not just an exchange from, to, to a destination on our way to hell and then change that on our way to heaven. But it's an exchange of a life. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk in newness of life. And I think that's a key. And so many are, have missed that. I, I'm fearful. Particularly here in the Bible Belt. The buckle, if you will, of the Bible Belt. There are churches on every corner. Uh, being a Christian includes taking Christ into a lost world. It includes giving the gospel to others. Being a Christian means that I am to show forth the image of Christ, spread the message of Christ to a world that does not know Christ. And that's our goal. That's, our, that's what God's called us to do. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Certainly that was said to a group of men, and, and we take that as the great commission, but that should be the commission for every child of God. Not just a change of where I'm heading to. I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven. But it'll be a change of life for us. And I'm so thankful that there are many here tonight, and you're wonderful examples of that change. And praise God for that, for the way in which you live for the Lord. But we see so many around us that that certainly is not the case. The world will not come to know Christ through secular education. The world will not come to know Christ through, the, through a government institution. The world will only come to know Christ through sold out Christians. Who are living a life the Bible way. Who are living in obedience to the things of God. Who are obeying, willing to go, giving so others can go. But it's not just a Sunday morning concept. It has to be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It has to be, it has to be every day in our lives. And I think that's the begins when we begin to see a difference being made. In verses 13 and 14, Paul is instructing the Corinthian believers... And I believe he's also instructing us what that Christian life is like and what it is to be salt and and light in a world. What that salt and light must look like. He says to them, he says, watch ye stand fast. Let me me back up and not get ahead of myself, but five exhortations I think we find out of these two verses. A fivefold exhortation, and here they are. He says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith. Number three, quit ye like man. Number four, be strong. Number five, do all you do with love attached to it. Those things include, are part of the Christian life. And I think it's an exhortation as you go out, as you, as you live day in and day out, as you're doing the work, as you're living day to day, live for Christ. And these are some things in which need to be part of that living for the Lord. To be that Christian who's not just one in title, but one in everything, every part of his being. 
the greater part, we've mentioned the greater part of this Paul's letter to the church at Corinth has been in the form of rebuke, been in the form of correction. Now he closes and he gives these five uh, imperatives, if you will, to pick up and move on as Christians so that the work of the gospel continues. So let's look at them in just a few minutes we have this evening. These five imperatives or five things that Paul mentions out of verses 13 and 14 that he says to this church at Corinth, now he's helped them set some things in order. Now that these things are set in order, now press on, now move out and move out with these things in mind. First imperative, he says, watch ye. Verse number 13, watch ye. The idea there is simply to be on alert. To be on the alert. Uh, the Greek word there has the idea of, behind it of to be awake, to be vigilant. Um, 22 times in our New Testament, more often than not, that word is used there. And it's dealing with Christians being spiritually awake, spiritually alert. Now you can be awake, but be dead spiritually. Now, I'm not talking about being dead spiritually without Christ. I'm talking about being a Christian, having the title of a Christian, but be dead really seemingly spiritually. To have no concept of spiritual matters. To really have no desire for spiritual matters. And I'm preaching to a choir tonight in a sense. You're on Wednesday night and praise God for that. That says that you have a desire for spiritual matters. At least it, I, I think it does. The fact that you see the need to be faithful in the house of God on a Wednesday evening. But even so, we can just go through the motions and be motionless. Go through the motions and nothing touch our emotions. Spiritually. To be dead spiritually. Again, I'm not talking about necessarily from a am I saved or am I not saved perspective. But... I think we can get to the point, even as Christians, where we can have a spiritual indifference. That doesn't matter to me. Really not that important to me. That's what they do down there. Or, uh, or the preacher, or the, uh, the pastor, or the Sunday school teacher, or the choir member, or, or those who are leading in music. They seem to be really engaged and involved in, in the work. But as for me, you know, I'll just set it out. That's, that's what they're doing. I'm a little more interested over here in this. I, I, I got my, my thoughts about this or that. And, and don't involve me too much there. Don't ask too much here about all of that. Watch ye, he says. Spiritual indifference is a problem. I believe it's a cancer that if we're not careful, it can infect all of our lives. Spiritually indifferent. Well, we can even be part of a good Bible preaching church. And become spiritually indifferent to the world that's around us. Spiritually indifferent to God's leading in our lives. To have a heart that's humble. Willing to listen to the Lord. Willing to obey the Lord and whatever He speaks to us about. To be spiritually indifferent is to have, a, have little or no concern for spiritual, biblical matters. And I think if you can look at life and maybe and say, well, if my life is spiritually indifferent, maybe we ought to back up and see if we truly, if we've been in the faith, if we are in the faith. I do not believe the 
once an individual gets saved, the Bible clearly tells us the Spirit of God comes and dwells within our heart. In the Spirit of God, what does the Spirit of God do? He points us to Jesus. He never points to himself. He points to Jesus. And so to claim a title of a Christian, but continually always live a life that's spiritually indifferent to the things of God, it seems like it can't happen if the Spirit of God is truly there. I understand we can grieve the Spirit. We can say no to the Spirit. We can quench the Spirit. But if we're truly children of God, God will get our attention at some point in time. We can all bank on that. But to go on day in and day out and not have and be spiritually indifferent to biblical matters, to the church, and to getting the gospel out and reaching lost people, to living godly, and and never see God's chastisement upon us. I think maybe we should wake up and see if we truly have been born again. Because God, the Bible tells us God will chastise those whom are His. So we must be very careful about that and be diligent about that. And if there's a spiritual indifference going on and we're able to live that way day in and day out without God just reminding us and just bringing us back, and then I think there may be some problems. I can't see a heart, and I can't see that at all, but the Bible does give us reasons to Look at ourselves and see where we stand with regards to these matters. He says, watch ye. Be on alert in spiritual matters. Spiritual indifference, I believe, can be seen through unfaithfulness. Unfaithfulness to the house of God, to the service of the Lord. It seems... um, it's been, it can be seen through not getting involved or not wanting to be involved continually or in spreading the gospel. Parents not being personally involved in training our children to know and love God. Spiritual indifference. Well, if, you, if you're too hard on them, you'll run them off. No, 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 no. No. Children need some direction in their lives. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm simply giving direction. And if you don't get their attention while they're young, and I'm talking young, young, um, right out of the womb, if you don't get their attention in the very beginning, the world will. You know, our kids are being exposed to more today at a younger age than anything we could ever imagine. We could ever imagine. This media generation which we live in today Our kids are being exposed, and some of us, I'll include myself in this, some of us old-timers, we think, well, we didn't go through all that. We had some difficulties in and of ourselves, but, but I'm telling you, this world is out to ruin our children. And if it can get a hold in their minds, and it's starting at the earliest of earliest of ages, through TV, we were home, and I saw something. I we don't have a TV in our home. Uh, but I just saw something. I saw in a, I guess maybe a five-minute clip before a eleven o'clock or ten o'clock. What times news come on? I don't. Eleven o'clock newscast. A five-minute clip. We saw. I saw, and I, I can't tell you what it was. It was it was a prime time thing. Homosexuality, just blatant in your face. 
You could not deny it. It's, it's there. I mean, it was just out. Right? And, I, and I'm, I'm thinking, I'm saying, wow. I guess maybe I was something out of touch, but I'm glad I'm out of touch. Because I'm simply, I don't need to be exposed to that. You know, our kids don't need to be exposed to that either. But yet they are. So I, I think we have to start early. And you can't be too diligent. Keeping them in the house of the Lord. And be interested in training your children. If you don't train them to love God. The world will train them to hate God. To run from God. He says now awake to spiritual matters. Awake to spiritual matters. Awake to spiritual things. Uh, How about spiritual matters within our own lives? Do we give thought to things that affect us spiritually? Do we give much thought to our reading of the Bible? Do we give much thought to our prayer life and prayer time? And things that affect us spiritually. Sometimes we maybe say, well, you know, well, that doesn't impact me. I can deal with that, doesn't it? No, no, no. Everything comes through the eye gate. These things like this, they impact us. They make a difference in our lives. Are we growing spiritually? Are we more desirous for the things of God today than we were a year ago? Or did we get saved? Did we take off like a rocket, like a, a horse in a horse race, and just to get a little ways down the track and just kindly just let off? Are we going forward? We tend to do Everything and anything we can to ensure our physical well-being. And there's nothing wrong with that. But very often we do very little to ensure our spiritual well-being. We care for the body on every turn. But how often do we care for the soul? The inner man. How do we even think about that kind of thing? And we run to the physician for everything that impacts us on the outside. But what about the things that... That's impacting the inner man. Paul prayed in Ephesians 3.16. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory. To be strengthened with might. By his spirit in the inner man. The inner man's. I dare say more important than the outer man. The inner man's going to last for all of eternity. It's the soul. Caring for the soul, not just from the perspective of salvation. Yes, it must must be where it begins, but going on beyond that. Growing in grace, coming to know Jesus and love Jesus more. It might be that if we did a little better job with the inner man care spiritually, we might find that we have to do a little less care on the outer man physically. Certainly one impacts the other. You think about stress, worry, fear, all the things that are associated come with those things. They tell us that stress is one of the greatest hindrances and causes the greatest issues of the heart. I'm talking about physically. So I wonder if we're dealing with the inner man as we should be. So... Several things that we ought to watch for. He says, be careful about. Several things we ought to watch. Let me give you just a couple of them. First of all, notice, watch 
things that are within. We've already mentioned a few of them. Watch some things that are in. What are we supposed to watch? Watch he. What's he talking about? I think, let me just give us a couple thoughts. And that's one, some things that are within, we're supposed to watch our thoughts. Our thoughts. We've heard a lot in recent days about watching the news. Uh, nothing new on the news, except the old reruns on the news. We just keep watching the reruns, hashing out the old things. But watch our thoughts. Be careful about that. Romans 2 and 15, conscious also bearing, our conscience also bearing witness, and our thoughts, the meanwhile, accusing or excusing one another. Our thought life, what we allow to come in. Watch your thoughts. Watch how we're thinking. Watch and check that, that anger spirit. Watch and check that, that thought of immorality. Watch and check that bitterness. Watch for these things. Don't let them take their foothold. 2 Corinthians 10 and 15. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I have really been enjoying our Sunday school class in here. Brother McBriar's done absolutely a phenomenal job dealing with the thought life, the thought processes, bringing those things under the captivity. How we think about things. Oh, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Don't let our thoughts run wild. Don't let the devil have our thinking processes. So we're to watch our thoughts. Watch our affections. Again, we go back to the thought of our hearts. Watch our affections. Don't let our hearts grow cold towards the things of the Lord. You can sit in a church just like this and that can happen. We just sit back and become indifferent. Don't let our hearts get cold. Watch your affections. What is it that we love? Or is there anything that we love more than things of God? Is there anything in our lives that would come down the pike that would keep us from serving God? Living for the Lord. So, well, I, I'll do this before I'll do that for God. Be careful there. Watch those things. Watch your affections. Proverbs 4 and 23. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Watch your thoughts. Watch our affections. How about watch our words? Anybody, don't raise your hand. Anybody got a problem in that area right there? Watch our words. James 1 and 19, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, to wrath. Watch our words. You know, sometimes I think our, our mouths can outrun everything else, every other part of us. And sometimes, you, let me just say this, you don't have to say everything you're thinking. You just don't have to. Slow to speak. Just because it comes to the mind doesn't mean it has to come through the lips. And we can be crushing and hard with our words. Watch our words. Are our words words of encouragement? You know, you can find a way to rebuke where rebuke is needed, but you can find a way to put that rebuke between two pieces of bread that it doesn't, it cushions it. You don't have to be so hard and crass with it. Watch our words. What God teaches me in this area. I need it. Watch some things that are without. 
How about some, watch some things, that's rather me, those things within, how about watch some things that are without? Those are things that come within, there are thoughts, our affections, and our words, but some things that are out. Watch for Satan's attacks. Watch for the temptations that come. Realize Satan knows how to tempt us. And the areas in which we're so easily to fall to temptations, we need to be careful about those and put up some signposts along the way. Watch for Satan's attacks. First, Timothy, First Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So watch for Satan's attacks. Watch for false prophets in the church. Watch for false prophets in the church. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. For such are false prophets, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. The Satan will look to infiltrate a place that's teaching the Bible. And all it comes in so subtly, so quickly, unannounced. Make sure it matches up with the Bible. Watch for false prophets. Be careful whose blog we connect with. Be careful who we listen to. Be careful who is, who, who's uh, uh, devotional we get on our phones on a day-to-day basis. Be careful here. Because there are a whole lot of deceitful workers out there. Watch for false prophets in the church. Uh, watch for the second coming of Christ. Amen to that. Jesus is apt to come at any moment. Watch for the second coming of Christ. What a great motivation to watch. Jesus is coming. Titus 2 and 13, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are we looking for Christ? If we're watching and careful and and attentive and alert to these things, guess what it'll do? It'll make a difference in the way in which we're living. It'll make us that salt into a world that so desperately needs that salt of the gospel. It'll make us that Christian that's sold out. If we'll do some of these things and be attentive. And we could list so many more. But he says, first of all, he says, watch. And he says, stand fast in the faith, number two. And I won't be as long here. Stand fast in the faith. In other words, be resolute in your faith. Stand fast in the faith. Be resolute in the faith. Have Bible convictions grounded in Bible truth and don't compromise on them. Bible convictions grounded in Bible truth and don't compromise on them. Ah, we see so many compromising these days. Well, a little here and a little there. Change this, change that. Have Bible convictions. Don't compromise them. Stand on doctrinal truth. Stand on doctrinal truth. Bible doctrine. I'm talking about truth that's found in this word. I'm not talking about a twisted passage of scripture. We don't build our doctrine off one passage of scripture. But study to show thyself approved. A workman unto God it needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Have convictions on Bible doctrine. There's no room for an ecumenical movement here. No room. People are asking us to yoke up. 
was asked not too long ago if we want to be a part of a, something that just want to yoke up. My response was, well, for you, you'd be very inclusive. You're including us, you'd be very inclusive. But for me, it'd be compromise. Can't do it, I'm sorry. Just can't do it. Why? Because of doctrinal truth. And I'm talking about doctrinal truth. Right doctrinal truth will lead you to a right philosophy of ministry. You can't say, well, I got right doctrinal truth and have a worldly philosophy of ministry. It it just doesn't fit. It'll lead you in the right direction. Don't be tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. Don't be deceived. Jude 3, earnestly contend for the faith which was, get it once, delivered unto the saints. It's not continually being delivered. They hadn't found something new. They hadn't come up with another Bible. It was once delivered. It was given once. It doesn't need to be improved upon. Not be contentious about it, but be contenders. The idea of being a contender there is to hold on and don't let it go. Hold on. Stand fast in the faith. Too many churches have traded Bible truth for pragmatism by adopting a philosophy that seeks to win the world using the world's methods. And that's what I believe Paul is trying to get our attention to here. 1 Timothy 3 and 15, the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. Once a church stops holding up the truth, it's no longer God's church. And he says, number three, watch, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men. I've always used to read that verse, and before I really started studying my Bible, it says, quit you like men, quit being like a man. That's not what it says at all. That's what the world would have the society today would say. But it really what he's saying, act the part of a man. Act like a man. Do the right thing. I'm glad that the Bible's not worried about a political correctness and hurting the feelings of some gender-neutral crowd out there, aren't you? I'm glad the Bible doesn't meander around with this kind of thing. Quit you like men. Like men, he says. The world has an agenda to emasculate men. Society is working to make men feminine and women masculine. That goes against God's creation. Never intended. Never intended. But that's what the world wants you to believe. It's what the world wants you to It starts so subtle. You go to the mall. You walk through some of these stores. And you see in the men's section of clothing what looks like women's. I, forgive me, you're saying, preacher, you're going a little too far. No, I think it starts in areas just like that. I really do. It's an, it's an attempt to emasculate the men and make the women masculine. And so I think those are things we've got to be careful. He says, quit you like men. Be strong. The reversing of roles is led And it's led by the homosexual crowd, the feminist crowd. That's what's fueling all of this. Be careful about it. 
you know, they've even come out with a, what they call a neutral gender Bible. Gender neutral Bible. Taking all the he's and the she's. Now they call the people. Instead of saying God the Father, they say God the Parent. The NRSV translation. By the way, it's not a Bible. It's a perversion. They call it the gender-neutral Bible. The New Revised Standard Version. The New NIV edition. The version, the New NIV Bible that's being published today. Translation, much of it, that is gender-neutral. Does it matter what Bible you read? Yes, it does. Does it matter what Bible you carry and what Bible you believe? Yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. In our society, it surely does. God made a man to be a man. He made a woman to be a woman. There's no room to tamper with it. Quit you like man. Be mature. Grow up, in other words. Go on to maturity. And men, I, I believe that he's talking to the men here. It's time for us to Go on to maturity spiritually. Grow up in the faith spiritually. Stability. Have a stability that's emotionally stable, morally stable, purity, leadership. Uh, You know, so many churches struggle because there's no male leadership within the body. Boy, I just love, yeah, I've heard men say, I just love to have a couple good men who could help lead the work. But there are none to be found. Please don't understand, ladies. I'm not against you. Please, please, please don't take that. Praise God for that. But I'm saying God designed it that the men take the leadership role. And men, if we don't take that leadership role, the ladies will step up and take that. And then when the men come back and say, you know, God's called me to lead. Now you got a battle on your hands. Because we didn't lead all to begin with. I'm not being mean. I'm simply trying to be biblical here. Take the part of spiritual leadership. Grow up and be a man in maturity and faith. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Quit you like man number four. Quickly, be strong. Spiritual strength. Not our physical strength. They're not talking about a physical strength, but the spiritual strength. And that comes with quit you like man. Act the part of a man. It's a spiritual strength that God only can give. Be strong. And, and I think there's, there's an aspect here where, yes, it does mean some strength within us. But it's to be strong in self-discipline. You know, I, I think that maybe is the biggest issue that so many of us men struggle with. Just simply self-discipline. Be strong in self-discipline. Be strong in self-denial. That simply plays itself out in being obedient to the Bible. Being obedient to the Bible. And be strong not only in self-discipline and self-denial, but be strong in spirit power. This is the fruit of the Spirit. We're allowing the Spirit of God to work in our hearts. We're being obedient to the Spirit's leading in our lives. Be strong in the power that God gives. The fruit of the Spirit. Verse 14, and I'm out of time. 
He mentions the last one, the last imperative. Let all things be done with charity. Make sure in your Christian life, love is the thing that makes the difference. Christ is the motive, but love must be there in a predominant way. Love is the motive. Love for Christ, love for people. Make sure in all that we do, in our being strong, in our watching, in our stand fasting in the faith, in our quit you like men, make sure that we don't leave love off. We spent a whole, I don't know how many weeks from chapter number 13 dealing with love. And I, I think that so oftentimes we can have all these other things just almost perfectly in place. And it seems so good and so polished. And then we come and leave verse 14 off and there's no love involved. No love involved. You can be an independent, fundamental, fighting, fundy Baptist and be as mean as a snake. You can. And in being as mean as a snake, you can turn the world off. You'll turn the world off. But on the other hand, you can be an independent, fundamental, fighting, fundy Baptist and have a love for God shining through so bright that people can't help to want what you want. To love Jesus. Be right. Do right. But all have a spirit that loves people. Loves God. Reaches into a lost world and says, boy, I need that in my life. Well, that church down there, man, they seem to have some standards I can't quite understand. They seem to do some things and they believe in a way. They believe that Bible in a way that I'm not sure I quite get it all. But I tell you what, they sure do love people. The love of Christ comes through and it shines. And I know I need some of that. Some imperatives. As we go on living for God. I believe Paul after he, after he just spends a whole lot of time. Just taking that holy sandpaper as Dr. Sis says. And just taking those rough edges off of that Corinthian church. He says now guys. Let's move on. Let's move on with some traits. Because it's a lost world that needs Christ. Let's reach him. You know I believe that's what God's saying to us here at Lakewood Baptist Church. Let's keep on. Let's keep on for Christ. But let's do it in a way that loves people, honors the Bible, and glorifies God. Amen? Let's bow our hearts in prayer.